0: We've been for the last few weeks talking about the state of the church and the state of this church. And you've heard, I hope you understand that what goes on here on Sunday morning isn't necessarily all, a matter of fact, it's it's only a piece of what goes on around here. I have been so encouraged and been a part of just hearing the voices and the hearts of different leaders, and I hope you have. And I've sat every place in the building, and some of you probably didn't even know if there was a pastor here. You've been here the last few weeks. They even have a pastor? Who are these people? Where's he at? Well, he's been all over the place and trying to, to get a grip on really what else is happening because I never get to see anything but this Once on Sunday morning. That's it. I sit there. I come here. That's all. And so over the last several weeks, I've sat back there, and I've sat over here, and I've sat right there. So I, I've walked around Children's Church. I've participated in youth, youth ministry. I've just been kind of all around all over the place. I've made babies cry in the nursery. <laughs> Not because I wanted to, but I just wanted to stop in and see what was happening. And when I left, all the kids were like, "Ah!" and I told the workers, I'm getting out of here right now. I hate that I did that um and we, one thing's for sure um God's at work man I, I've listened to the hearts of people I, I've listened to stories some of my news of my didn't know it's been beautiful and I hope you recognize that man we are on a journey and we are on a track of of of, of, of eternal significance everything's not perfect but God's good and he's walking with us and he's taking us right through what we need to, 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 to walk through. There's a movie I've seen recently, and I would, I would, I would suggest it. Um, very good, powerful message. It's called Touchback, and I had never heard of it. Um, it's called, it, it, it stars, uh, Kurt Russell's one of the guys who, who's in the, in the movie. He plays a football coach. And in this story, there's this guy who has a chance to redo parts of his life. I won't get into all the details. He gets a chance to, 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 to do to, to do some other things that he that he thought he'd missed or got past. And he comes to this place in the story where he has to decide if he's going to continue the chance to replay as it was or as it could be. And the funny part about it is he doesn't experience true freedom in life until he recognizes. Not what he did, but who he, who he is. What he has. And sometimes we're like that. Over the last few weeks, I, 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 I want to ask the question. For us, as church triumphant, where do we, what do we do from here? What's next? I mean, all this good stuff is going on, but where do we, how do we keep going? Listen, until we discover who we are and we really understand it, we can't go on to the next thing. And most of us are looking right past where we are and who we are and what we should be to things we ought to be doing. And, and, and we get frustrated and we get, we get, we, we get, we get uh, angry because we, we can't ever measure up and we can't ever do this and we, can't, and we just feel confined. But as a church, I want you to understand something. There's a place of freedom for us. And as we move forward in this journey of life and we face things like heaven and hell and the end of the world, those are real encouraging thoughts, aren't they? There's a freedom and liberty we can walk in that everybody else on the planet should, should, should wonder. What in the world do they have? But until we recognize who Christ is, until we recognize who we are in him, until we come to the grips that he is at work in us and around us and through us, we're never gonna make to, to the next step. I, I I I we've seen and heard for the last several weeks what's happening. But I guess I'd ask what can we anticipate from on from this point on? To kind of begin to answer that question, and I will not be able to answer it completely today. Nor will I try, but I'll give you a snippet. Is that okay? I found one thing about Jesus: this walk of Him is a continually unfolding journey and an unfolding story. And when I think I have something locked down, I find out that I don't. Anybody else with me? So let's start a little piece of the journey today and figure out Second Corinthians chapter three. If you if you have a smartphone or an iPad and you can log on to the, uh, th- th- there's the, on you version, on my notes and stuff are there, so you can make, make use of that and even take them home with you if you want to. Um, we'll, we'll just go on from there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, and we'll read down through chapter 4, verse 1. And the scriptures say here, for the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see Now listen to the next line. And reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Hmm. Some neat stuff in that little, those little three verses. He says, For the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to encourage you today that where God's spirit is at work, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's life. Oftentimes, we think of that piece of Scripture as in conjunction with how we worship in a, in a church setting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We can shout, and we can clap, and we can jump, and we can dance, and all that. And there's a element of that that's, that's true about this piece of Scripture. Man, when Jesus gets a hold of your life, it's like the chains come off. Am I right? If you haven't experienced freedom... And Jesus, man, there's a place in Christ where you meet Him, and all the chains fall off. And at some point in time, you don't care who's around you or what else is going on. You want the world to know that He's alive, and you want them you want them to know that He's done great things for you, and you want them to know that you you were bound, and once you were free. But you know what He's talking about here goes way beyond a church service. Well, when it says free, He says you're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you read contextually, he talks about a veil being torn. Is that what it says there? All those who've had a veil removed. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the heart of man. When the Holy Spirit of God reaches into the heart of a person, he brings freedom. And what you were, you're not any longer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Amen. Who said that? I got one guy on my team this morning. If Jesus comes in to your life, things change. And you know what I've noticed? Jesus comes in in the oddest of places. And a lot of times it isn't even in a church service. Sometimes it's driving down the road. Sometimes it's in a living room. Sometimes at a workplace. Sometimes it's in a restaurant or at a grocery store. Sometimes, and you know what? When he brings it, it just happens right then and right there. And he says, I have torn the veil open in your heart. See, the real place God wants to bring you freedom is right here in the middle of your chest. Right here. Right in the middle of all that you are, the core of your being, he wants you to be free. And I know Christian people who struggle with rules and regulations and expectations and duties. I know people who are supposed to be walking with Christ for many years. And at some point in time, they still feel like they're confined to certain things. And the Bible said if the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you are free. The Spirit of the Lord lives right here. As you move forward, you know what I want you to be free? I want you to be free in here because if you're free in here, the the glory of God can live here. And then when the glory of God lives here, the glory of God is reflected there. As we think about where we are as a church, I have to ask you, where are you? Are you free? If you don't know Christ, I'm going to tell you this right now, you're not. We'll talk about what that looks like in a minute. If you are with Christ and you still feel like you're confined in some capacity, I wonder what's going on, on the inside. Because he says, I come to make you free. Freedom is given to us. The veil of the heart is torn and the spirit comes to dwell in there. 2 Corinthians 3.15 says, Even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. See, the real place God's talking about the freedom of, of the Holy Spirit is right here in the heart of the person. You can sit here week after week, according to this scripture, hear the message over and over and over again and still not be free My heart for you, every one of you, is this, that you will hear the heart of God. You will hear the voice of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will be at work in your life, and true liberty and freedom will overtake you. And Christianity will become more than just a list of rules and regulations and commandments to keep. It will become a life-giving way. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, listen, I'm going to show you a new and living way. Hebrews talks about a new and living way. He, he, he wants us not to be, not to be struck in, in, in some sort of a plan or format or a, or a fashion of religious activity. He wants us free and whole and walking in life and light. Every one of us. Romans 8, 9, and 10 You'll find these words. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even your body will die because of sin. But the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. You have life because you've been made right with God, not for any other reason. Where He intends to give you freedom is is, is right here in the middle of your chest. Here's what I want to say. We we often equate freedom in the wrong capacity. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want. That's how we equate it. Freedom is the ability to be what you should. Listen to me. Freedom is not the, the opportunity to do what you want to do. Freedom is the opportunity to be what you should be. See, we're caught up at times trying to do stuff and to to accomplish things and to to have actions and, and, and things we have to live up to and all that. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to be something. I don't want you just doing something. I want you to be something. I saw you being something from the beginning of time before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you and I had plans for you and you are confined from being what I want you to be because of sin, because of the world, because of your flesh, because of the devil and I came to make you free to be everything I saw you being from the beginning of time. That was a really good place to say amen. And it's true. I want to do what I want to do. Then you're not free. You're still confined to your flesh. You are a slave to it. I'm just going to do what I want. Listen, Jesus said, I come to make you free, and the freedom I will give you is beyond belief. I will take the limits off, and I will help you in every capacity. God's intention for church triumphant is not for us just to keep doing a bunch of things, but for us to be what he wants us to be. Romans, uh, or Galatians 5 Reads like this. It, it talks about the works. It's funny how God uses these words. The works of the flesh. At the beginning, Patrick and Chad both shared on that unknowingly about each other. While they spoke in the last few weeks, our worship pastor and our youth pastor, two weeks in a row, shared on the same pieces of scripture. Had no conversation with their. youth pastor. Wasn't even in the building when the youth worship pastor talked. They talked about the same thing. Galatians five says this: it "Is for freedom, you've been set free." why are you again entangled with the yoke of slavery? And he begins to talk about religious things that they were forcing upon the church in Galatia to do and to be and, to, and all this list of requirements. He says, but the works, the things of the flesh are evident. But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, which has everything to do with character, not necessarily actions. Church triumphant. God wants us to be the reflection of his glory. And that goes way beyond rules and regulations. That goes way beyond just a code of conduct. That goes way beyond just a a, 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 a set of, uh, uh, of times and dates. It goes way beyond just... just being on a, here on a Sunday morning. We, we, he gives us freedom to do what we ought to, to be what we should be, not just to do what we want. The Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary reads like this about this piece of scripture. There and there only. These people, these such, these people cease to be slaves to the letter, which they were while they while the veil was on their heart. They are free to serve God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. They have no longer the spirit of bondage, but of free sonship. Liberty is opposed to the letter or the legal ordinances and to the veil, the badge of slavery. Philippians 3.3 3 says this, For we worship by the Spirit of God and are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Are you hearing that? I was thinking this morning as I was getting around, it has nothing to do with the message really. I mean, it kind of ties in. The, the, the disciples are all excited because God sent them out and they embarked on certain activities and they come back rejoicing that demons fled in their name and in the name of Jesus they spoke it. And they were so rampant. And Jesus' first calling to them is this, do not rejoice that you did all that. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Those are the words of Christ. And we get all caught up with this activity and works and and things we aren't doing that the Bible says, thou shalt not. That's what we get caught up with. I must be a good Christian. I'm not doing that. And God says, but what are you being? Are you really reflecting my glory? Are you really reflecting my love? Is your life a reflection of my truth? Or are there just rules and regulations and ceremonies and things that you interact with? There's a world that's dying. Heaven and hell are real. Eternity is facing us. Possibly what we know is that the function of the world is coming to a rapid end, very near future maybe. And what are we being that reflects the glory of Christ? Not so much about what we're doing. What are we being? Because I can feel like I've showed up at church and I've done my activities and I can check off my to-do list for this week. And I have served God. But you know what? He's like, listen, I want you to be a reflection of my light. And I want you to be a reflection of my life. I want you to be a reflection of my glory. I want the world around you to be pounded with the radiance of my life. And the only way they see that is because of who you are. What you've become in me. I'm glad we have all kinds of activities going on around here, man. It blesses my socks when I when I when I listen to the the, the testimonies of connection groups that, that, that Nancy gave us. And man, so we got some extra Nancy was right right now. They're just screwdrivers blowing up, man. People were showing up and get, it's beautiful. Oh man, when I hear the voices of teenagers talk about how Jesus changed their life to the point of tears, standing right here in this place, I want to go. Yeah. When I listen to Sheila talk about children's ministry, I just want to go, all right. I want to be involved in the function of changing somebody's life. I just can't even describe it. But if I mark that off, that I've, I've just done an activity and I've not really become what Jesus wants me to become, I'm missing the boat anyway. We are here as a church for the purpose of changing the lives of others. That's why we exist. You were bought with a price, the Bible says, and Jesus took you out of where you were and brought you in to where you are. Not just so you can sit and look pretty, but so you could, so you could become the reflection of His glory in the world. God brings. Here is a word we despised, isn't it? Let's look at the veil was removed. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, verse 18. And the Lord who is a spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed. The New Living Translation says, one translation, ESV, I think, and maybe the New King James, maybe NASB says transformed. Transformation and change is a part of the process. As we look around here, it's not a matter, you know where I'm at as a, as a pastor? It's not a matter of how well are we doing things. To me, the question is how more effectively can we reach people? How more effectively can we reflect the light of the glory of God? Some things we're doing really good, but are we being living up to the potential Jesus gave us? That's the questions I've begun to ask over the last year. So you know what that means? If we're not completely re- reflecting his light as we should, then there's places for tweaking and places for growing and places for changing and places for transforming things. Us, mostly. Sometimes tactics and sometimes procedures and sometimes processes and sometimes times and locations and sometimes uh, dates and sometimes we have to change that kind of stuff so we can be more apt to be in the hands of God to reflect his glory as we should God brings change so we can be more free and when he brings us change he gives us more ability to be what he created us to be as I look, as I look ahead I, I, I would just say this to you I, God's not done with us yet but because he's not done with us yet, there's lots of things that have yet to go on that should. There are lots of lives yet to be changed. There are lots of opportunities for us to embark upon. And if we're going to snag them when they come, we're going to be willing to be free-flowing. Jesus looks at Nicodemus in John 3, and he says, "He says it's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You know what wind does? Wind rattles stuff. Wind sometimes knocks trees over. Wind sometimes moves clouds across the sky at a rapid rate. Wind, you can't always see what it's doing. You don't know where it's going to end up. But wind moves stuff. Wind changes things. It's amazing to me in the book of Acts chapter 2 where where the the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit is poured out on, on God's people. How does he come? He comes as a mighty rushing wind. He comes as a raging inferno. And you know what? When winds come and fires come, things change. They don't look the same as they did before that all showed up. Go to a place where a hurricane has happened. It does not look the same. Go to a place where a wildfire goes on. That place does not look the same once it's done. If the Holy Spirit continues to motivate and move in us, we will cease to keep looking the same and acting the same and doing the same as we've always done it. We can't help it. We have to if we're moved by Him. God brings change to give us more freedom to be what He wants us to be. here's the deal. He says, look at this. I love how he he writes this. Makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. But he says this, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we'll never give up. You know what? Mercy is the motor. Grace is is the engine love is the fuel paul writes at one point in time that that, that faith works by love god in his love pours out mercy on us he doesn't give us what we deserve god in his love pours out grace on us he gives us what we don't deserve And we ought to be excited and happy about those two things. And we should live every day as if we know that. We don't get what we deserve, people. And that's a good thing. We don't. You know why? Because we we are all a mess. We did a marriage seminar here a couple weeks ago, a simulcast from Texas, Jimmy and Karen Evans. And he starts this conversation the very first night. He said, look at your neighbor. And he goes, listen. Understand one thing before we go any further. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we are all a mess. We are all messed up. The problem where we cease to act in freedom is this. We think we've achieved something. And because we achieve something, God owes us stuff. Or I can earn my way up the next rung of the ladder in, in, in the kingdom, in ministry, and when we start getting there, we are back in slavery. That's why Jesus talks to his disciples in that passage. He says, listen, don't rejoice that all that happened with you. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is this. God poured out his love on us while we were yet sinners. And everything I do for him is not because I I can do it. It's not because I'm trying to earn my way somewhere. It's not because I want to look good in front of people. It's because I love him and because I love people. Jesus said the greatest commandments are these. You want to live by a commandment? I got two of them for you. You want you you a set of rules and regulations to live by? I'll give you some. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Mercy has to be the motor. Grace has to be the engine. And love has got to be the fuel for everything that we do. People hurt right sitting next to you right now. People hurt out there in the world that you live in. In the work environment that you walk through every day. In the family that you grew up in. People hurt. You know what fixes them? Not rules and regulations. You know what fixes them? Mercy. Kindness. Grace. That gives access to the truth to blossom in their lives. That's what changes things. Mercy is the motor. It's what creates momentum. We start losing freedom when we think we have we have to earn or get what we deserve, or we have a right to things. The kingdom of God is not a union. It's not. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. We get a new slate every day, and that's good for the things we failed in, and that's good for the things we've accomplished. Well, I've been, you know, this and that and whatever. Listen, you—you are—we're all on this journey of mercy and grace. When you start thinking you've deserved something or you got something, you start taking the, the blessings of God and the favor of God and and the, 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 the people around you and the ministries he's placed you in for granted, that's the first sign that you're in the wrong spot. We better never get there. He gives us this other thing. He gives us freedom from pressure. Do you know that? He gives us freedom to be something, but he also alleviates the pressure. You know what? heat. He, and pressure is what allows something to be shaped. If he's going to transform us, there has to be an element of heat and pressure applied to our lives. Satan means to put pressure on you to stop you. Read the book of Job. Job is being what God wants him to be. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there wasn't a man like him on the planet. There wasn't a man like him. He loved God, and he, he, he despised evil, and... And, and you can read in there that uh, he said, well, sure, he's like that. God, he, you, you, you give him everything he, everything he ever needed, ever wants. It's just right there. You take good care of him. And, and God says, all right, you can test him. wherever you want. Touch his, touch his possessions. Don't harm him physically. And you know the rest of the story. Things begin to happen. You know what? Job comes out of that experience, understanding the power and the grace and the love of God more than he did before he ever, before the whole circumstance ever started. Read the whole book. It's amazing. He goes through quite a journey, It's full of pressure, but he is more what God wants him to be at the end of the journey than he was at the beginning. It took heat and pressure for him to come to that point, even though there wasn't a man like him on the planet. Let me say this. There's lots of people like me on the planet. You know what that means? I need all kinds of shaping. I need all kinds of help from Jesus. I need all kinds of heat applied to my life because I'm, I'm probably of the rule, not of the exception like Job was. You know what that means? You probably do too. And the heat and the pressure God will allow so you can be shaped into more into the likeness and image of God. Daniel 7 talks about the spirit of Antichrist. And it says he will defy the Most High and he will oppress. One translation says he will wear out the saints of God. We can expect that on this planet. If we look forward uh, at church triumphant, we can expect more pressure because there's this person who despises the kingdom, despises God, despises his children, despises his message, despises his mission, despises the hope that he offers, and he will apply pressure on us to get us to stop. The question is, will we? Paul writes, in light of the mercy of God, we never give up. The pressure is applied so we can be transformed. God allows pressure to shape you, to transform you. This whole thing of the kingdom is always, always, always about change. We are not we, what we should be. We are not today what we were yesterday. and We will not be, be tomorrow if we stay in the hands of God what we were today. We will keep growing and we will keep changing. Ministry will keep growing and ministry will keep changing. So long as it to the voice and the heart of God. Transformation is the whole purpose of the kingdom. There's a, there's a sign back there on the wall remind you something you're supposed to be about. Teaching is for transformation. We are here because we want things to change. We want people to change. We want lives to change. We want eternities to change. We want things to be different. And I will not apologize for that. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything to work for the good. For those, for the good of those who love God and are called, are, are the called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having called them and given them right standing, he gave them his glory that we are to reflect. See, what what the Bible tells us here is is change is coming. Everything in our life is not good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good from the outside, but it is working for our good. And he is shaping us more into the lightest image of his son so we can reflect his glory. You know why? Because he wants to complete his mission. Jesus came to the planet 2,000 years ago with a mission. It is not done yet. Matthew 24 says this gospel will be preached to the end of the world, and then the end will come. And he seeks to use us to do that. And if we're going to do that, we got to continue to grow. The word transformed there in that past scripture is the Greek word metamorpho. And it means to change, to change change in nature. It means to change in in appearance. It means to be trans. It's the same word used when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain there with Elijah and Moses, with the three disciples watching. Whenever you find a weakness that needs to be changed, that is a place God can show himself to you. When you go through difficulty and all of a sudden a big glaring de- deficit, the deficiency of yours uh, pops up. That means God's showing you that he can be greater than your deficiency. He can reflect your glo- his glory in your weakness. When the pressure gets turned on and you can't accomplish what's ahead of you and you you're having a hard time keeping things in check. God's saying, listen, let me have you. Let me fix you. Let me work in you. Let me change you so you can be all that I want. You know what he tells us? It's discovered so God can show himself to you in the point of pressure, and it's discovered so he can show himself through you. It is how the people of God have responded to pressure and persecution over the, over the eons of time that has spoken the most to the lost world around them. It's the truth. In the Roman world, the gospel spreads like crazy. You know why? Because the, the children of God suffered well, went through pressure well. Didn't kick and buck and complain. Walked into the arenas, sung hymns and prayed. You know what I'm saying? Dietrich Bonhoeffer's words echo strong and loud. You know why? Because he suffered under the Nazi regime well. And we still reading his books. And we still respond. You know why? Because he went through the pressure reflecting the glory of God. As we look ahead, there will be pressure applied to us. I will guarantee you we're not, getting, we're not getting away from it. In one place, Paul writes this, all who would live godly will suffer persecution. All, A-L-L. That means you, your wife, your spouse, your children. That means, that means, that, that means anybody who's in this room right now. If we're going to walk with Jesus, we will go through some stuff. But you know what? We read the back of the book. We know where the victory lies. And we know who the author and the finisher of our faith is. And the victor that's offered us his victory, his name is Jesus. So we have freedom because we can focus. We have freedom. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, this is why we never give up. Our bodies may be dying, but our spirits are being renewed every day. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, Paul writes. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we can now see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, they will last forever. Can I say something to you? What has your attention has you. Whatever frustration is staring you in the face you can't get away from, it's got you. Whatever discouraging thing is staring you in the face and dragging you into dirt and you keep letting it, it's got you. Whatever you are focusing in on has you. Whatever you are locked in on has you. Matthew 13, Jesus talks about the parable of the seed and the sower, and there are people who receive the word of God with gladness. But the scriptures tell us that the cares of life reach in and they they they, they, they wrap themselves around this thing that sprung up in the heart and it jerks it it, 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 it just jerks the life right out of uh, out of the, the seed that's planted I look around, I see Christians succumbing to pressure. You know why? Because they're, the, uh, the, the, they're focusing on the object of the pressure, not the object of their faith, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not focused on the things that are eternal. They're focused on the things that are temporal. They, 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 they should be people who are, are heavenly-minded, yet they're earthly-minded. And the, 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 the checkbook gets them all messed up. The news reports get them all torn to pieces. The frustration at work gets them all messed, where they can't even smile with the coworker because they're just all messed up because things are in such. a... Tr- we are otherly people, We are our citizenry, it's not here. It's there. And if we want to light the, the pathway to eternity, we should live like we are like we are people of there, not here. There should be such joy and peace in us because we are being what we're supposed to be, not so concerned about what ought to be going on and what ought to be. Man, we're just blazing a trail, man, right into eternity for people. Listen to me. What lies ahead for us is freedom. But there's freedom for us only if we'll, we'll choose to be what God wants us to be, only if we'll choose not let the pressure get to us, and only if we'll choose to focus on what really matters. And that's the person of Christ, and that's the, 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 the idea of eternity. Focusing on the temporary will chain us and wear us out. Paul says we don't look at the things that are seen because they're temporary. There are all things around you can, you, can, you can assess with your physical senses. That's what he's talking about. You hear things. You see things. You smell things. You touch things. And it gets you all messed up. But the thing about those things is they're temporal. You know what that means? If they're temporal, that means they can change. Life will not always be as it is right now. Five years from now, your life will be different whether you like it or not. Whether you sit in the same pew for the next 15 years or not. Whether you drive the same car, live at the same address, buy the same Wheaties, the same box of cereal every day and eat it, your life is going to be different five years from now than it is right now. Bank on it. And you can go into that change? Uh kicking and screaming, or you can embrace Jesus and run right right headlong into it. Focusing on eternal will free us and empower us. Can I say some things? So what's eternal? There are two things that are eternal. There are two things in our lives that that are eternal. The message of the gospel And the mission he gave us. Because the message speaks of him. He is the word. He does not change. Everything else will pass away. The Bible says everything else will change. But it will remain. And he says I'm leaving you with this thing. Until the end of all things. And he says I'm leaving you with this mission. Those are the two things that do not change for us. What's temporal? Let me tell you what this. Everything else. Everything else is temporal. Everything. Everything's temporal. Everything else is temporal. Everything. You can hang on to it if you want to, but it's going away someday. The Bible says even one day the elements will burn with fervent heat and melt away. Rocks will one day evaporate into nothingness like like boiling water. What are you hanging on to? Jesus, the eternal one, speaks to us his message and brings us life. And he says, listen, i got something for you. I've seen you doing and being from the beginning of time. I've got a mission for you. Those two things do not change. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, the Bible tells us. What are the two eternal things we hang on to? We hang on to the message of the gospel, the person of Christ. And we hang on to the the mission, the purpose he created us for. That's to glorify himself. And we'll do that for all of eternity. Those are, those are the things that are eternal. How do we get past this? We focus. We focus on those eternal things and we refuse to cross over into fear. Colossians 3.1 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. That's how we get through all of this. That's how we don't get cross over into fear. That's how we embrace what's coming down the road. That's how we walk with the person of Jesus. That's how we keep heaven real. Our purpose is to win people, and to disciple people, and to send people into the world to become what God wants them to be. You know what? Those are all action words. You can put an ing on every one of those. Winning Discipling, sending. And those are actions. Action requires movement. Movement require, requires a change of, uh, change of position. Movement requires a change of, 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 of intensity. Movement requires a change of, of location and time. Movement requires action. Action is movement. Movement is change. Are you with me? If we're going to win people, if we're going to disciple people, if we're going to send people, it requires movement, it requires change. This will be a never-ending process for us. We will continue to change. People sitting in the pews next to you will be different people in five years from now than they are right now, I promise. We've got to we stay on mission and not get sidetracked. Winning requires us to change methods. Winning requires us to change uh, certain things so we can reach different and more people. Discipling requires us to, 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 to change. It's, it's people Discipling is people changing. The more you get close to Christ, the more you change. You reflect the glory of God. Discipleship is all about change and transformation. So we will, we will be in the process of helping people change. We'll be changing tactics to continue to help people to change. We'll be sending people. You know what that requires? That requires people being willing to change where they are, what they do, so they can allow God to fulfill his plan and his mission for, his, for their lives. When things change, keep, keep looking heavenward. Would you do that with me? Think, listen to your pastor. Things will continue to change. Some things we will, we, will plan, we will change on purpose, and some things will be outside of our control, but they will continue to change. As things change, let's keep looking up towards heaven like Colossians say. Are you hearing me? The message will not change. Our methods will change.